Vegas in May. Yeah, you said, yeah. 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 And so, you know, I can't see any other way of me getting out there without having a vaccine. Yeah, but they're saying that you need to have a vaccine on both ends, right? So if you're going to, well, into Europe anyway, yeah. either vaccine or a test done already yeah. prior to flying, yeah. yeah. Well, it's weird because I've just literally just changed my passport as well because my passport was due for renewal. If you know, you have to renew them every 10 years. Yeah. And it was due for renewal in about four months' time. And I got a notification through saying, you have because of the EU, the EU and yeah. Brexit. I yeah. have to get that. It has to be valid for so many months if you're going to Europe. Okay. And funnily enough, back before the last lockdown, lockdown number two, mm-hmm. I was going to go to Italy to play a poker tournament because okay. I was just so, you know, yeah, yeah. messed up with things. I was just like, I need to play some live poker. Live so poker. I haven't yeah. played any live poker since February. That was the last yeah, time I played. Out. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Well, I act, I have actually played a cash game. Yeah. But no, I know what you mean. Like, going out yeah. to actually play. You know, yeah. the difference between playing a game and going out prepared for a tournament or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, the tournament, the last tournament I played was up in Nottingham, Dust Dawn, if you know that. Oh, I remember Dust Dawn, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think originally there was about 3,000 people playing. Yeah. But they played online and then the. the the last 300 players played live. Okay. So you can imagine this is just before lockdown. Yeah. 300 players playing poker. Yeah. You know, before lockdown, that was. Yeah. You know, now you wouldn't even get get no, the chance to do that. No. Yeah. But saying that, in October, like I say, I took some time off work and I was going to go to San Marino, mm-hmm. and San Marino's sort of COVID count was really low. Okay. And uh, like they they didn't have any cases and they didn't have any. So the tournament went ahead, but I just, I kind of bottled it because I just thought, yeah. I just don't want to travel out there, get stuck out there, because literally on the news, you saw people being out in Italy and getting, you know, not getting being stuck, able to yeah, travel yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, quarantining there, quarantining. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and I was just thinking, it's, I can't be, you know, with my job and that, I can't be asked to. Yeah, I'll be risking. Yeah. So, yeah. So but that's, that's the topical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been playing? I've been playing poker. I actually started. I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because somebody asked me the question, "How long have you been playing poker?" And I guess officially, I've been taking poker seriously for the last twelve years. Okay. And we'll go. We'll go back to that because that's quite an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. But I probably I played poker when I was the first time I ever played poker in a casino was in Caversham. Um, well, it was called Gent. Uh, not Gent. Gentons, it was called something else at the time. I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, but that was when I was 28, just after, no, 30 actually. So 26 years ago. 
and I've just got married. Um, so recipe for disaster. <laughs> I went to the casino with my wife, and uh, we basically said, oh, what, "What do you do here?" Kind of thing. And I, was, I hadn't really been to a casino before that stage, mm. and so I'd, I'd like been to what's, what's the thing where you play um, fruit machines and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but not a proper casino. Proper casino yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went into the casino. And they said, oh, we play we play a lot of card games here and we play like tournaments and stuff like that. I thought, well, that sounds interesting. So that was the first time I played and I actually went and played. Well, you played before you went to, do you, you knew the game before you went there or not? I did play like at school. Yeah. I, play, I, I used to play, I used to live in Swindon years ago. Okay. My, I bought, my first house I ever bought was in Whitney, well, um, Shinfield. Yeah. I bought a house there that I bought with a guy that I was working with. Yeah. So we shared the house. He bought me out mm. and I bought a house in Swindon. Mm. And then every sort of Saturday, Friday, Saturday night, I used to go go down to this pub, which was a really rough pub in Swindon. Mm. And we used to play like three card brag. And I oh. used to play against all these Italian builders who were like complete nutters. Yeah, and I used to fleece them for all their money. <laughs> so, you know, I'd, and I was I was working in sales at the time, yeah. and I was you know I was I think I was in telesales actually. I was selling office equipment and fax machines and photocopiers, okay. which is a really difficult gig. Yeah. That was like really hard. And so I was going to the pub and making more money from the pub <laughs> than you are from work. Yeah, 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 yeah pl- playing free card brag. So that was that was probably when I was in my early twenties, so before I got married. So that was when it. But I did. The first time I ever played, I think, cards or proper proper kind of cards for money was at school. Okay. I went to Meadway School in Reading, okay. which was an interesting school, to yeah. say the least. And, uh, yeah, in the sick form, we had, like, a really good card game going. So we used to play poker and stuff like that there. But, yeah, I I started making money from it when I was playing this three-card brag, and I used to take so much money off these guys. Yeah. Because it's a fast game brag, isn't it? It's, it's an interesting game yeah. because you, 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 you play um, either blind or you play open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you look at your, th- you're only playing three cards, yeah. the, the, the strongest hand's three threes. Yeah. And so if you get three threes, like happy days, yeah. do you know what I mean? But these Italian guys, they wanted to gamble. And so they used to play blind all the time. I always looked at my cards. Yeah, yeah, open. yeah as soon as you So I had to double whatever they put in. So yeah. if they bet five pounds, which yeah. doesn't sound a lot of money, but by the time, by the time you get to the yeah, yeah, yeah by the yeah. time you got the end, to the end of it, yeah. you got all your money in, like nine, you know, ninety quid or whatever, which was a lot of money at, to me at the time, and you know, I, I think once you got all your money in, you, you couldn't you couldn't lose the pot. That was basically you committed and yeah. you covered the pot for that amount of money. But they always used to play blind. Occasionally they beat me because obviously they wake up with a hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But more often than not, I, I knew the strength of my hand, and yeah. I'd go. Yeah, I'll call. And I called them all the way down and ended up beating them most of the time. And most weekends, I was literally, you know, taking hundreds of pounds off these guys. And so I thought one day, and it was a rough area in Swindon. I thought one of these days they're going to, like, do me. Comment on (laughs) a (laughs) day. You know what you're doing, yeah. So, yeah. So that was was quite good. But then, like I say, what I'm particularly good at is playing tournament poker. Mm -hmm. And that's a completely different story. Story, and a lot of people don't realise, you know, how organised poker, poker is. The first big tournament I ever played, um, I went to Madrid. I won a package on online, so I won a package for 
probably worth about three thousand pounds. Or buy in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the buy in was eleven hundred euros, mm. but the package itself was worth about three thousand. Oh, the total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I got like the flights, the hotel, hotel yeah, yeah. and all the food and everything, and trap, you know, travel. Mm. So I got. I went over with my then girlfriend because mm. I split up with my wife. Then that's we can, we can go back. We'll, to that. Go, we'll <laughs> get into that. But yeah, so I was with this Slovakian, well, Hungarian Slovakian girlfriend. Mm. Um, it was quite a bit younger than me, mm. and she came with me, mm. and she didn't know anything about poker at all, and mm. she wasn't that interested. But she, you know, wanted to travel. Probably, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was in the early days when like all the Eastern European um, countries had sort of. Join the EU and well, all just about joined the EU, but oh, they could have all the rights. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So she wasn't able. She was. She came over as an au pair. She didn't have the rights to to, to work okay. without a national insurance number. So we had to go through all the rigmarole all that. Yeah. So for her to travel, I took her to Rome, took her to Barcelona, Madrid. We had a great time. But anyway, this poker tournament, it was about three thousand pounds a package, but the buy-in was eleven hundred euros, mm-hmm. and the, obviously the prize pool was was big money. I'm talking like. Uh, 40 or 50,000 euros to yeah. the winner. Yeah. And I told my friend about it. I said, look, I'm going to Madrid. And he's like a businessman. And we used to work in sales together as well. But we've been friends for a long time. And I said to him, look, I'm going over to play this tournament and it's in this casino in Madrid. And he said, oh, don't lose your house. Don't lose all your money and stuff like that. I said, no, no, you don't understand. No. All you can lose is yeah. the, the package. The yeah. I said, I've got the package. It's costing me nothing. I'm yeah. going over there. It's costing me no money at all. And he's going, yeah, yeah, but don't gamble away everything and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, I knew that when I went out there, I wasn't going to spend anything else. I was with my girlfriend. We were just playing that tournament. And I, I ran really deep in the tournament. I busted with aces. Mm against some crazy Scandinavian guy. What well, do you have? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course I remember, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I, re- I virtually remember every hand I got. Dude. Bad beats, yeah. Okay. What did I, you that's have? One, of, one, of, one of the bad things in my life. I remember, like, all the bad times. Yeah. The bad I should, yeah. I should win. I, I had a tournament in Nottingham. Mm. And I, I, it was 20 grand to the winner. Mm. I'd, I'd qualified online. Mm. And so it cost me, like, 200. Oh, it was, yeah, it was 200, 200 pound buy-in, it was. Mm. So I qualified online, I was second chip leader for the whole of the, of the, of the buy-ins mm. and I got heads up with this Indian guy and really nice guy, nothing wrong with the guy, the way that he played, mm. but we got, I got my chips in against him three times mm. and I was like 60-40 favourite or 70-30 favourite three times mm. for eight grand, playing for eight grand. Mm. So basically he ended up outdrawing me three times on the river, mm. he won 20 grand, I won 12 grand. Mm. And it's just so annoying, and it's just that is that is annoying. I will never ever forget that. Do you know what I mean? Every time I see him, I've got no axe to grind against him because it's just luck, and that's cards. But yeah, so go back, go back to Madrid. Mm. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure the guy had. He either had he had Jack. He definitely had a Jack of Diamonds. Jack. He was either Jack Nine, Jack Seven, or Jack Ten of Diamonds. Mm. And I had a pair of Aces, which is obviously the best hand pre-flop. Pre-flop, yeah. And the way the hand went, he he sucked out on me, and I, I is I've got a mentor that trains me, mm. a bit like um, Karate Kid. You know yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Sensei, the wizard, he, right? Yeah, the wizard. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he trains me, and he tells me what to do. And he, yeah. I came back and spoke to him. And I said, um, you know, he said, would you have played the hand exactly? I said, look, I had aces. I played the hand perfectly, so I'm quite a stubborn bloke. And I said, yeah, no, I played the hand perfectly, and I'd play the same again every time. 
And he went through and said, right, you could have flat called pre-flop, you could have you know, gone all in pre-flop, he gave me about five different options pre-flop, mm -hmm. then he gave me options on, on the flop once the cards had come down, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, so I'm not going to play the hand exactly the same every time. No. So you play your opponent, and that's that's what he brought to my game. Mm -hmm. So I was really pretty good at cards, and I I'm good at maths, I was trained as an accountant, so I, you know, stats and things like that are my... You know, you know the odds straight away. So once, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've got calculations in my head, mm -hmm. but I've also read books and I've studied things, so I know like percentages. If you said to me, right, someone's got eleven outs, mm -hmm. I could tell you, you know, what, what percentage they odds that they're going to hit their card. Okay, because okay. there's a, a really simple, simple formula. So people don't really understand that poker is a really mathematical game, and it it's is. and the people who are successful are intelligent people. Mm -hmm. So you get the odd person who's ticket tickers um mm. just playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Not not yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you get people like that who get lucky. Mm -hmm. But they won't be lucky on a on a oh, for long term. Oh, for long term, yeah. They'll, they'll win one tournament and they'll be a one hit wonder like you know, the music basically. Yeah. Um but yeah, so Graham sort of Graham, my mentor, he was ranked um second in Europe in two thousand and two. So that's I didn't know impressive. that. I didn't know that. Yeah. What? What? Um, after I watched the APAC. Oh, did the show, you? sent me. You sent me the. Yeah, so yeah, I watched. The I, watched the, I watched the APAC, and I'm like, wow. Because obviously I used to play with you guys. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm okay. I didn't realize. I knew you guys were good. Yeah. But how good you were, I. You know, you know it's. You probably you know, didn't appreciate. Yeah. I, I didn't mean, at the time. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, you were like a really sociable guy, a really friendly guy. Yeah. And so obviously we we built a relationship based on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the poker was additional to that. Yeah. It's funny because that was kind of the way that I looked at um, Graham when when when, he, when I first started playing poker. I used to play down at the other casino, the um, Grosvenor in town in the town yes. centre, the Oracle. Yeah. And I used to I won two tournaments. And when I used to play, it was pop limit. Did they have tournaments? Yeah, it used to. They used to. Okay. Yeah, years and years ago. And I, I played against Neil Channing, who's like one of the top professionals. Yes. Played against Simon Trumper, who's like a commentator and a really a good poker player. Played against um, Keith Hawkins and you know a lot of the best best poker players in the world. And I used to play with them on a regular basis, yeah. and I used to play a lot of cash games yeah. as well. And they, and that's where I learned to play sort of mixed games because most tournaments are Texas Hold'em, yeah. which is two cards and it's high high hand. Yeah. But I'm pretty good at mixed games, so like Omaha, Irish, Omaha, Omaha, exactly. Omaha low, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well we used to play about six six or seven different derivatives of high low Omar. So we used to play like L, mm -hmm. so you got like five cards going down that way, five cards going that way. So it's interesting how the flop comes down. And then we play used to play H as well. I've got I'm lost. And why? I'm lost. Exactly. I'm lost now. That's a bit too technical for yeah, me. So I know I know about Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> That, well, that's what I'm saying. So I I learned, mm -hmm. and I lost I lost a lot of money to be fair, mm -hmm. and that was my kind of learning my learning. Experience. Yeah, but that's the thing about poker you can't you can only learn so much without investing. You yeah. have to put your money in. There's no way you can learn or get good at poker without putting money on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a famous saying. I think Phil Ivey said it. He was one of the yeah. top professionals. I think he said you can learn to play poker, you know, within a couple of days. Mm -hmm. But it said to become really good at it, it takes a lifetime. It does, yeah. And so I'm constantly, I, I kind of, I've had a struggle with it in my life, 
kind of because I was brought up as a Mormon, mm -hmm. so I've got quite a religious background, and my family are really anti-gambling and stuff like that. Yeah. So I kind of had a bit of an internal battle. Do I play poker, which is kind of against my, well, not against my beliefs, but mm -hmm. my upbringing? Yes. Or do I, you know, and it's and it has brought a lot of stress and stuff in my life. Yeah. You know, like even the other day, my my uh, cousin said to me. Just give up poker. It's, you know, it's not, it hasn't brought anything to your life and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, maybe she's right. You know, she cares about me, and maybe I should, I should give up poker. And then, I took a took a bit of time out. Mm. I took like six months off poker, and I had, I've had uh, part of the reason I split up in my marriage was probably because of poker. My it gambling. takes a lot of time, though, doesn't it? Gambling, yeah. yeah. And then my relationships, a lot of them have, you know, come to an end because of that. Because of the time that I spend spend on it. It's mm. like anything. If if you do something that's really focused, mm -hmm. it can be unhealthy if you don't get a balance. You have to get a balance, yeah. Yeah, okay. and so I've had to kind of accept that. But I've come come to a realisation now that I love poker, mm -hmm. and it is part of my life, and everything else has to fit, fit around that. Mm -hmm. And my latest relationship finished like three years ago, and there, that wasn't just poker, there's a lot of other things as well. But mm -hmm. we had such a good relationship, we were together for like six years. When she, you play poker? No, but she came to Vegas. I, I, I've been to Vegas like seven times to play, you know, serious tournaments and big tournaments out there. Yeah. And she used to come over. And I was thinking about this today before I came here. And we had one of the best holidays that I've ever had in my life. Okay. We flew. It was my birth, my fortieth birthday. So it was a long time. Was it, oh no, it's my fiftieth birthday. Okay. The decades no. are. The decades are. Yeah, I think it was my fifth. Yeah, it was my fiftieth birthday. Okay. Yeah, yeah, my fiftieth birthday. We went to. Our, she came to Vegas. I I played a week of poker, and the kind of agreement that we had when I got to, when she came over was that I stopped playing poker. But occasionally I would play one or two tournaments when she was there. Mm -hmm. But obviously the focus was to, to go to shows like uh, Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, yeah. Go to see. Um, we went to see. Um, who's the magician? Do you know uh, Penn and Teller? Penn and Teller, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. good. Yeah, excellent, mate. And they're really, really sociable. They kind of meet you afterwards. Yeah, right, I've heard it. And stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. It's really, so stuff like that, Vegas is like, a, it's just a playground, mate. It is great. I mean, a lot of younger people go there for like nightclubs and. What's the level, what's the level of ability, poker ability in Vegas? Because I've never been. Right. I'm just curious. Well, it's funny, you should say that. That's a very good question, actually. So not not wanting to beat you up, but that's a very good question. Yeah. Because a lot of people live out there, and they they kind of feed off sharks. Yeah. Yeah. They just feed. waiting for the tourists to come. Exactly. In. Yeah. And they wait. They look. At, they go to a table and they see people drinking, and so they know that they're drunk and they're going to play stupid. And they literally make their wages out of picking, you know, picking money off yeah. these these people. Yeah. Like you say, the sharks eating eat like the, yeah. the the food, and <clears throat> so I. I, I I find Vegas, because it's in the desert, it's so, so hot, right? And the World Series, which is obviously the, the pinnacle of poker, if you, if you want to achieve anything, you want a World Series race, you want to win a big, big, you know, big World Series event. Um, and so you know about that. They have like 70 events mm -hmm. over a, probably a 50-day period, or not, well, a, year, a month and a half. Yeah. So they cram in all, the, all these events and you can win a bracelet. And so I've been over there when the World Series, and I've played a couple of World Series events, and I've not cashed in one, but I've played a couple. Mm -hmm. The problem is, you're playing against the best players in the world. Mm -hmm. So 
if you want to make money, do you really want to be playing against players that are as good as you or better than you? No, you don't. You don't. No. You don't. So I used to go in September, which was a, a good time to go because the, the weather's not too bad. It's quite sort of still quite sunny, mm -hmm. so you can go and have a get a get a nice tan, sit by the pool. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Have have a good laugh. Um, and the quality of the poker, you still get some big tournaments because they have like the, the well in America they call it fall, don't they? Rather than yeah. autumn. Yeah. So they have the fall classics, so the win and the Venetian. Mm. So you get big, big prize pools. I, the biggest tournament I've ever played mm. was at the Venetian, and somebody put me into that tournament. I put some of my own money in, but other people put me in as well. Mm. And like these are like World Series bracelet winners. They were good players, and they had trusted me to play this tournament with them. And it was three and a half thousand dollar buy-in. And a million dollar guarantee. Wow. So the winner got like about two hundred and twenty thousand dollars, um, and I, I I didn't perform particularly well. It was it was a bit disappointing. But I played you know similarly big big tournaments. But what I'm kind of saying is going back to your original question, you know, when's the best time to go there, and, and why? What games do you play? Yeah. So you have to sort of look at all aspects of it and think I want to go when. There's good good guarantees, so you're going to get the guarantees, but you don't want to be there when all the best players are there. Because mm. when the World Series was on, I was playing like these crappy tournaments in other casinos, mm. and even in the crappy tournaments in the crappy casinos, mm. you'd still get like world class players, good, good level of play. Yeah, yeah because they're, they're, like, thinking, they're thinking exactly what you're thinking. Yeah, and they're yeah. thinking, why don't I sneak out <laughs> the World Series, go to this place? Yeah, yeah. 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 When the World Series is on, it's just like a big, you know, big fiesta kind of thing. Yeah. So what's, what would you say, what are the attributes, what would you say are the attributes of a Bill Ivey, world-class player? What would be the difference between them and players like myself, for example, aspiring right. to be that? What makes them, what's the X factor, what, what do they have? Yeah, I mean, Phil Ivey's an interesting character because if, if the people that know poker and know Phil Ivey know that he's, he's an interesting guy because... He, he, I don't know if you saw, but he had a case where he was playing, was it Baccarat or, or some, no, Punta Banca, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And he took the casino in Mayfair mm -hmm. for like about two million, two million pounds. And the casino realised that, but he, he recognised there was something wrong with the deck of cards. Mm -hmm. And so he used that deck of cards and the information that he got mm -hmm. to make money. Mm -hmm. And they sort of said, oh, it's... You know, the casino said that there was a fault with it. We're not paying him out. So they gave him his money back, but they wouldn't give him any profit. And he took it to court. Mm. And basically, the, the court case ruled that he wouldn't get the profit because there was a fault, faulty deck. And the dealer knew that, and so, so did Phil Ivey. So they were using that to their advantage. Mm. And so, obviously, the dealer's going to... He's not. He's doing his job. He's not going to worry. He's the public's going to win. He's going to get a tip, isn't he? So. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's kind of happy. So they, they, they said basically they went cahoots. Well, not? No, not so much. But he he wasn't sort of he cheated. He, he cheated basically. That's well. That's that was the that's what the argument was. But Phil Ivey's argument was that he didn't cheat. He just used information that was. That's true. As, as a poker player, it's perfectly true. If yeah. you if you if you're playing a game of poker or whatever it may be, and you see one card you've identified. And then something on the back, yeah. Flip it over, whatever. You're not going to tell anybody. Exactly. You're that's carry on using it. That's that's what it was. It was mm. like the cards were marked, mm. 
And so he didn't mark the cards, nor did the casino. But well, somehow these cards were yeah, 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 the marked cards, he knew information about that, those cards, so he knew what they were, and so he used that information. He's an intelligent guy. Yeah. But going, right, going back to what Phil Ivey, why he's better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's won a lot of World Series bracelets, mm-hmm. so straight away, you say, you've got to say, he's, yeah. he's a good player. You have to, yeah. yeah. But if you watch him on, like, all these poker programs, and you watch him... You know how how he studies the players and the way he is and the way he interacts with the, with the other professionals as well. He just reads the game so well. He can look into your soul mm. literally and and tell you what cards you've got. You know, he, he, he wouldn't. So, so is it the mathematics or is he looking for tells? He's got reads. He's got read skills like nobody else. So he's reading the game and the yeah, opponent. Yeah, he's reading the game and he's reading the opponent and he's picking up <coughs> information. Weaknesses by just by bet sizing and all sorts of things. Okay. So he's he's probably everybody reckons he's probably one of the best players at doing that. Mm-hmm. Phil, Phil Ivey is and Daniel Lagrano, who yes, you obviously yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got a really good read on what car, cards people have. The amount of times I've watched like YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh, you must have aces here, or you've got this. He's got that," and he reads exactly what he, he'll, he'll say because obviously you can see the cards because. That's part of the stream. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and he reads the cards like ridiculously well. So, you know, the top professionals have got that ability to see into people's mm. minds and the way that they play, mm. pick that information and use that to their advantage and, and, and use it. I watched a programme the other day on, again, going back to Daniel Lagrano, mm. and he was playing in a WSOP. Um, circuit event, which is a kind of next level down from the WSOP main events in Vegas. So it, it, they play all around the, the country in, in America. <clears throat> and he was so much better than these other players. And he was playing a system, it was about 10 years ago, he was playing a system which now is known as GTO, which is um, Game Theory Optimal, which is a, a, a way of playing poker that people study and they play. So they, they exploit. Um, you know, people's weaknesses and... Well, what, what is... What is GTO? Right, GTO is, is a system which has been developed by younger players. Mm. I'm, I'm quite an old-school player, and I just play the poker that I, I, I kind of understand and the, the way that I play. Mm. So I play within my limitations. But a lot of younger players that come into the game, they they really, really study, and they, they, they've got these charts to, you know, to look at the hand combinations, what they should be, they've got shove, well, what they call shove charts. So basically, if they've got jack seven of spades, or jack seven of diamonds, like the Scandinavian, <laughs> even though he was doing it because he was crazy, now mm-hmm. people do it on a mathematical basis. Okay. So, so they're, using, they're using the data a bit more. Yeah, okay. they're, they're studying like literally four or five, you know, we got, you get university students who come out of university or, or spend more time while they're at university studying all this and making money because, you know, they're, they're working out equations to, to make out the, the best way to get money from the, the game of poker, either live or mostly online. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a big, big thing. So, and a lot of these players, like we are talking about, you know, these, these younger players, they don't have necessarily those skills where they can read the ability or know what other people have, but they work out calculations based on mathematical information yeah and so they'll they'll sort of you know generate their money from that so they might not necessarily have the skills that say phil ivy or daniel Grano yeah, has yeah. with the reading skills yeah. 
And so that's why it's interesting that the online game is so different from the live game. I mean, you, you're, I'd say you're definitely a live player. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, your skills from when you play poker, I mean, you, you play poker more for social thing, I think, and more for fun. But obviously, everybody that goes and plays it wants to make money. You know, it's the money. money. It's the money. It's, it wasn't. I don't think it was social on, on my. It was purely for the money. Yeah. But I was. I, I was more fascinated with the game, understanding yeah. the game. Oh yeah. Building my own strategy, which I think I showed you years ago. <laughs> so I wrote. I wrote something then on my phone. Mm. I, think, I think it was you. I showed just briefly. I found it the other day. Yeah. Like I stripped my own process. Yeah. Playing a live live. <clears throat> I'm not sure. Tournament and cash. I had one for tournament, one for cash. No, I don't think that was me then. No, we did, we did, we did talk, but we didn't go into that level. In, okay. Yeah, but it's, you might, you might have chatted to me about. Just in passing, it wasn't. We, we never chat like this, and I said, yeah, "Oh, yeah. this is my strategy." Just in, I think we were, we were um, between his arms, and I just showed it to you uh, briefly, okay. and I think yeah, you read yeah. it, and you were like, "Oh yeah, great." And yeah, because I mean, to be honest, there's so many different levels of poker. Mm-hmm. You got your grassroots, which was in the in the pub, mm-hmm. and the the pub pub poker players obviously you're playing playing for a maximum of a hundred pounds which is you know for some people it's not even worth getting out of bed for that sure. do you know what i mean and then you get to the next level which is your local casinos mm-hmm. and so you've got a prize pool that might be up to five thousand pounds and stuff like that and then you go to the next level which is national tournaments national tournaments could be you know 500 up to one million even. yeah and then you get the next level which is european and world series stuff which is literally millions millions of pounds and i've not quite achieved that level yet i've got to the national level and the international level but i've not got to like the highest level and you need a massive bankroll and you need to be like a a brilliant poker player to to play at that level there's a guy who's probably the best player in the world he's he's british guy called stephen chidwick and he is absolutely awesome and he 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 buys in for tournaments for twenty five thousand pounds or a hundred thousand pounds does he always get the final table? I take it. The guy is—he's just a beast. Yeah. He is an absolute beast. He probably makes—I mean, I—I—I I, I make probably fifty thousand a year, fifty thousand dollars a year on a on a good year. He makes probably like four or five million. Wow. <laughs> wow. So the guy is on a different. But level. could it could it be the buying? No, the guy. Is, if you look at it on a percentage level, if you're buying in the same. On a, if you scale it to your account, I don't know the right terminology. So if you're buying and your average is five thousand a tournament, his is twenty five thousand a tournament. Yeah, yeah. And you play the same amount of tournaments with the same buy-in, then is it achievable, or would you say that or not? I'd say it's a, di- it's a different animal because he he's definitely one of the he's he's recognised as one of the best players in the world, yeah. and he he was a kind of younger player that studied like all the GTO theories. He was an online player, then became a live player. And now he doesn't touch like small tournaments. He just plays the bigger tournaments because mm-hmm. there's no point in him spending two days of his. T- Some tournaments, that, like the World Series, is six days. Uh-huh. Are you gonna, you know, spend six days of your life mm-hmm. playing a tournament to potentially win, you know, ten thousand dollars? Pointless. It depends what you earn and what, what you, where you're. Yeah. 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 I get it, I get so it. what I'm saying is this: this guy wouldn't play a small tournament like we we would play now. Mm-hmm. He, he, he just plays like the bigger stuff because he knows that he's good at that and he can make a living out of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, my, my biggest, I've been playing seriously for 12 years and I've had this mentor that's trained me up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And my biggest, not biggest result, but my biggest accolade, I would say, 
is that I'm ranked 19th in, the, in England okay. for the number of national caches. So a national cache has to be a national tournament, not just like a local tournament. Mm -hmm. And I've got about 100, 140 or 150 caches mm -hmm. um, in national tournaments. I rank 19th. How many have you played? I've probably played over a thousand easily. Right. Yeah. So if you if if you cash in one in ten tournaments, you're doing well. Yeah, so yeah. so I'm, I've definitely played over a thousand. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm not I'm a, okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that is a pretty high high percentage, and I, you know, I'm I'm not far behind Stephen Chidwick in terms of national caches. Mm. But if you look at what he wins and what I win, the average. Yeah. What, I think my average is. Because obviously my average buy-in is 100 or 200 pounds, so my average cash is like 250, 50 pounds per, yeah. per tournament. Um, his is his average is like probably 50,000. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's a completely different animal. But I'm still up there in the rankings. Yeah. There's a guy called Sam Trickett who was based in Nottingham, and he was just like a doing like a I can't remember what he was doing, like carpet fitting or plastering or something yeah. like that. And then he became a really good poker player by playing cash in them tournaments and he's a sponsored pro and he probably he drives around in a Ferrari wow. and he's he's probably earning you know he's he was he was like the highest earning UK, uh, UK player because wow. he came second in the the one drop which is one of the biggest tournaments it's a million a million dollar buy-in <laughs> a million dollar buy -in. A million dollar buy-in and he wow. won like seven million dollars he came second I think Espandari won it he got 19 million so you can see from the prize pool, if it's a million dollar buy-in and you win $19 million, you're only getting 19 to 1 on your money. Mm. There weren't like hundreds and hundreds of players in there. It's probably like about 90 players. Mm. Um, so it sounds like a great performance and a great return, but it isn't a good return on investment. It's not. Because no. you've, you've outlaid a million dollars to get yeah. 19 million back. Yeah. And I was actually at the, in Vegas one time watching one of that. And this guy had satellited in, and he had backers as well. And he satellited into this million-dollar tournament, and he got his chips in, <coughs> excuse me, um, with aces against aces, mm -hmm. and it came down four-card flush. So he lost. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So he got knocked out, but his his backers couldn't argue. Do you know what I mean? He's got his chips. No, but, in. but if you're gonna back someone, though, you trust that player's ability. Oh yeah. It's it's an, it's. Yeah, you would trust the player's ability to make that decision, and if they make the wrong decision, well, you're not going to fold aces pre-flop. It's just that's the luck of the cards. Yeah, I hate aces. I hate them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm serious. I'm yeah. all in aces. I'm all in pre-flop. Yeah, all in. If I'm if I'm positioned correctly to cash in before I go all in. Yeah, yeah. Then perfect. But I don't want to see a flop. I do not. I no, because you can't slow play them. You don't no. know what's going to happen. You don't know. Yeah, and I mean, if you're going too cheap, you're in trouble because you yeah. don't know what. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a like like you said, there's a lot of skill. When I first started playing poker, when I first started playing in Reading like 25 years ago, mm -hmm. I was playing pot limit Omaha, uh, pot limit hold'em. Mm -hmm. So basically, you could only bet what was in the pot. Yeah. Now everything's no limit hold'em. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the pot limit. I was never a fan of the pot limit. Well, there's a lot of skill with skill involved in it. Or with it betting or what you Yeah. So if you've got like a big hand, you you have to read other people's hands and you have to develop that pot mm. try and get the maximum out with no limit hold'em it's a lot it is a lot more chancy so but a lot better reward we're talking about cash here right no we're talking about tournaments and so cash. there was pot limit on tournaments yeah yeah okay 
Yeah, yeah, okay. That's what I'm saying. So it's a completely different game. And I still play Pot Limit Omaha and I play Pot Limit High Low mm-hmm. Omaha, which is, is I, I think, is well, it's my best game and I make good money out of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really like. On- so do, do, are there Omaha High Low tournaments? Or? Yeah, online. And you there are, that? yeah, there's, there's occasionally ones live, but if you go to Vegas, mm-hmm. then there's a lot more. You know, if you go to Vegas, you can literally go from one casino to the next and play a tournament within an hour. You know, they, they're playing tournaments all day. Constantly, yeah. But the bad thing about Vegas, and obviously with COVID and everything at the moment, is they're still doing everything fine, but they're closing the card rooms early. They take a lot of money. In the UK, if you play poker, um, let's say the tournament's £100, the casino charge you £110. So £10 of that goes to the casino. Yeah, yeah. £100 goes in the prize pool. Yeah. In America, mm-hmm. let's say you play the $100 tournament, mm-hmm. they'll charge you 20 or 30 25 or $30. On top of the $100? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and some of the casinos, like the Flamingo, some of the lesser casinos charge like at least 30 or 40%. So you go in there and they're, they're basically taking first prize out of the... Out so of they're the taking it out of the prize money, not... They're not charging you in the first place. Well, it's kind of the same thing, really, isn't it? Because what I'm saying is, if in England, the mm-hmm. casino are charging you 10%, mm-hmm. right? So you, you're you having to outlay £110 and your investment is £100 effectively. And then you if you win that tournament or you get a percentage of that payout, you get the money less less the tax if you like or the buy-in fee yeah. but in america they charge 25 to 30 percent and some casinos 40 percent mm. so for you to go and play those tournaments out there to try and beat that rake is really difficult yeah, yeah. do you know what i mean because yeah. you've got to invest 140 dollars to win 100 mm. um and so you're not getting that money back or you no, know, you're not yeah. you're getting free drinks and yeah. a few <laughs> free well not free well, drinks. i suppose is that why they charge you yeah, it's just because they give away. They give away. They probably they give away, give away a lot of things. And yeah. the, but the casinos in Vegas are, are greedy. That's yeah. what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you go to other areas in America, you'll probably find that. And some of the smaller casinos, like if you go, have you been to Vegas before? No, I've never been there. Right, because there's two. There's a, there's a strip, which has got like all the newest casinos and all the big casinos, and obviously that they attract a lot of the big punters and a lot of the money. Then you've got the downtown, which is the older casinos, which are like Binion's and Golden Nugget, which you've probably oh, heard yeah, of. Yeah, and these are older casinos, and they don't charge you know, the kind of fees, yeah, because yeah. their overheads aren't as big, and they're, you know, it's not... Oh, they want to get they want to get the customers in anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they kind of balance it all. So, yeah. Because, so, yeah. The thing I love about going to Vegas, when I was there for six weeks, I used to get... I lived with my friend, who, who's a pilot, and so I lived, like, in the south near the airport mm. and so I got an Uber taxi mm. into um, into the strip every day which was costing me $12 but it would have cost me more than that to obviously stay in a hotel and yeah, resort, yeah, yeah. resort yeah. fee so I was actually making money by staying at my, my friends yeah. and there was a swimming pool there and a gym and everything else and if you want to know a city you get you get Uber everywhere because I was when I when I got on the in the Uber taxi, I always sat in the front, mm. and some people like looked at me and like, "What are you doing invading my space? Sitting next yeah, to me yeah. in the front of the car?" But because I wanted to chat to the people, mm. and there's so many interesting Uber drivers. Yeah. You know what I mean? You talk you talk to them because it used to take ten or fifteen minutes to get to the strip. Yeah. So I'd ask them what they did and 
no, because Uber's like yeah, I did the same thing. An additional income, isn't it? Isn't it? So yeah. they've got like other jobs and they've got families and they've got a lot, you know, a story why they came to Vegas. Yeah. And do you know how many people live in Vegas? How many people do you think live in Vegas? I've got no idea. Just a rough guess. Go on. Well, I, have, I don't know how big Vegas is. Like, I... It's big, mate. Two million people live in Vegas. Live in Vegas. Two million people plus all the tourists and the homeless. They don't count the oh, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you talk to these Uber drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to go to America if I could move to America and live in America. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Boom. Like, it was for me that was like probably the best six weeks of my life because yeah. I was effectively going into work to play poker mm-hmm. and I was just like getting a taxi in, getting a taxi out, nice yeah. food. Socialising with good, my friends, good people, yeah, nice weather. Oh, yeah, and I met uh, this Israeli guy mm-hmm. as well, and he he was out there about the, for about the same duration as me, mm-hmm. and we chopped a tournament together and became friends. And he had a car, mm-hmm. so well, he and, picked you up, and then yeah, he picked me up. <laughs> stuff, so that was cool. So I saved a bit of money over taxi, but he, he was a Jew, mm-hmm. and he lived his religion. Mm-hmm. So kind of playing poker to me is a bit. Anybody that's religious playing poker, sort of gambling and is akin to smoking and drinking and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and you shouldn't really do it. <coughs> I'm, I'm happy with it because I'm not really, really religious now. But anyway, so he took me to like this, this um, Israeli restaurant, mm-hmm. and it was really expensive. It's all kosher food and stuff like that. And he said, "Look, I want you to ex- to experience what you know, this kind of food that I eat and stuff like." That. I'm like, "Cool." So I did it like three or four times, and it was good, mm-hmm. but it's bloody expensive because it's kosher. Mm-hmm. They have to, you know, prepare everything separately, don't they? And so they charge a premium for that. Um, and I said to him, "Look, I'm not being funny, mate. The food's good. It's not. I didn't tell him it was wasn't that good, but I said there's a Taco Bell across the road, <laughs> and Taco Bell was like five dollars, and this yeah. is like thirty dollars. So I can't afford, yeah. you know, because I was working on a budget. Yeah. I said I can't afford to keep doing that. So I said you go and eat your food in this restaurant called Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and so I went there quite a few times. But on the last few occasions, I went to like Taco Bell and then just came in and because he was a re- really regular customer mm. they were happy with me coming over and drink even drinking oh, drink yeah, yeah, yeah. afterwards so but we got on like a house on fire such a different culture do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. I'm English but we had respect for each other and he's a good poker but I'll, t- I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing though what drew me to poker more than anything it's a level playing field <laughs> yeah. I'm serious yeah yeah there's no you know when you sit at the table there's no racism yeah. there's no prejudice None of that matters. I don't think there's racism. So what, 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 I mean, what I mean by that, we're yeah. speaking a different language now. Yeah. So when you set the table, if you're reading the game to a certain ability, you don't need to speak English. Yeah. All you've got to say is call, raise, Yeah, call. as long as you... Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and you can respect somebody from how they conduct themselves at the table without knowing in person, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. A multi-millionaire sat at a table with a certain amount of chips on the table, yeah. is on the same <laughs> level as me who's not. I, I played a tournament, I chopped a tournament in the Wynn, which is one of the big casinos in Vegas, mm-hmm. with a guy called, I can't remember his name, is John something now, and there was, it was a Chinese young kitty, and I looked, because you can look all this information up on the Hendon mob when you get the person's name, which is easy to do when you're playing in Nottingham, mm-hmm. but in America it's a little bit more difficult, because you don't necessarily get that information readily mm. because it doesn't come up on the screens or it doesn't it's not on the internet mm. 
Um, but I played against a guy, and he had his own business. He, he, had, he literally had his own private jet. And I knew this Chinese guy. There was three of us left. There was a four hundred dollar tournament. The first prize was about fifteen thousand dollars. Um, actually, it might have been a bit more than that. But in the end, what we did was we chopped it three ways. So we all took ten thousand dollars each, and then we played for the remainder, which was about another two or three thousand dollars. And this guy was happy as Larry. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but he he had his own jet. But that's what I mean. And there's me, like, getting Ubers. <laughs> and he's flying, he's flying to make us in a jet. I'll get an Uber taxi. But he loved the game. Yeah, and I played, played against him in another, in the Aria, which is another really good casino and a good card room. And he, at first, I thought, this guy's an absolute idiot because he plays like a lunatic. And he's played in the one drop, that, that $1 million one. So he can afford that, to play I mean. at that level. That's what I mean. But he was playing a $100 tournament at the Aria. Mm. Right, and the winner gets like two or three thousand dollars for that. <coughs> he knocked a couple of players out, and he, and they were like bad beats. Do you know what I mean? He got the chips in with like really shit, <laughs> and, and they've got like aces or kings or ace king, yeah. and he beat them. And he felt so bad. He said, "Oh, look, sorry, mate." And he brought them back into the tournament because he's got so much money, he doesn't matter to them. Do you know what I mean? And, and he, he plays poker just, you know, for a bit of. Mental you know, stimulation. You know, I, I, thought, I thought about that as well. Like, you know, because um, when I'm at the table, I always try and, I used to always, I haven't played in a long time, but I used to always try and assess everybody at the table. And you know the rich guys that play? It's a um, psychological thing, I think, you know. Because yeah. you know they're, they're good at business. They're doing very well at business. They don't need to win the money. No, it's not about winning the money. No, they're not it's, gonna, it's the excitement. No, but they're not, not going to lose to a business. No. So the excitement of losing on a poker table is that they're getting rid of it now because when they go back and <laughs> they go, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. And if they win, they're like, oh, you're, they're amped because they like winning anyway. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But if they lose, then it's like, okay, well, that, just something that I thought of a while ago. You know what yeah. I mean? I think one of the, the biggest things that we, we had a discussion about because we were talking about your job mm-hmm. and my job mm-hmm. and, and things like that, I think the interesting thing is when you play against poker players, you don't necessarily have to be a good poker player by learning how to play poker you get a lot of your poker skills through life skills mm-hmm. so if you're I, don't, I can't think of a job where people might lie to you but if you're in a job where people, you're asking a lot of questions and policemen yeah possibly <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> yeah, yeah I play people against people lie to them all the time yeah. yeah so these and so they know when people are lying exactly. because they've got that read yeah. so when they're playing poker and somebody's trying to give them information or trying to put a bet mm-hmm. They're going to bring those life skills into their poker because they're going to look at the guy and go, "He's sweating. He's yeah. getting like his his pulse is like yeah. racing, and he's he's gulping, and he's you know he's uncomfortable." Yeah. And so he's is he telling the truth. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's bluffing. He's yeah. definitely bluffing. And people j- talk joke about um, tells and bits and pieces, but it's such a big part of the game. Yeah. You know, and I think that's you're in poker's about being in intelligence. Yeah. If you're an intelligent person, which you definitely are. When you bring when you come to the poker table, you use everything around that's going on around you, yeah. and that's what Graham taught me, my mentor. Mm-hmm. He basically he doesn't play a hand for the first couple of rounds of the table, and this is where a lot of people people turn up at the poker tournament, they get their drinks, and they'll yeah we're playing poker and it's all good social things. He'll sit there and study the players for like the first two rounds of the table. If he gets aces or ace king, he might not even play them. Or if he does, he plays them differently uh-huh. because he's busy watching what everybody does around the table. Yeah, and his what he's good at and what he's taught me to be good at 
is to play one and two day tournaments, which take, it's a different strategy than playing like a tournament in a local casino in an evening or playing down a pub like we, mm -hmm. you know, where, where we originally met. Mm -hmm. And I've got no doubt, if I took you to one side, mm -hmm. I could teach you to become a really, really good poker player because you've got a lot of life skills and a lot of natural ability and intelligence mm -hmm. that you could improve your game. Yeah. And it's just a question of re repeating that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, well, it's, it, what, what, it's a discipline. That's what the main thing for, you know, you have to be disciplined. That's what I found. And yeah. Um, when well, I used it's to more tricky as well, I remember. <laughs> Yeah, I remember we used to call, what did we call you? What was your name? Jaws. Jaws. Jaws, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've got to have a good poker name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, you know what? I love poker. I absolutely yeah. love it. I love the game. I might start playing again. Because it's... Well, if you play face again, face, mate, face, it's, we'll, we'll spend a bit... I'll do it face-to-face. I appreciate you doing this, because, like you know, I've done a couple of other podcasts, mm. which I'm sure we can put the links on for those... Yeah, yeah, of course you can. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. if people are more interested in what I do as an individual... And how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The organisations that I, I work... Well, not that I work with, but I, I'm, I, I play with playing, then they can find out some more information. But definitely, when live poker comes back in, you and me will spend a bit of time, and I'll, I'll definitely cool. spend some time that, to that, teach that, that Some people can have the deck hit them in, in, the, in the face and mm -hmm. hit all the cards and win a tournament. Mm -hmm. But to win tournaments on a regular basis, yeah, yeah, consistently, yeah. you're yeah. not going to do that, you know, just by getting lucky. Yeah. You know, everyone's seen somebody go down the casino or play poker or something and come home with literally thousands of pounds. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because it's all about luck. Mm -hmm. But how many times have you seen them go to the casino, play poker, and lose lose mm -hmm. all that money that they won mm -hmm. over a regular period of time? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's what it's about. And and this is what I was. I was saying to you um, <clears throat> really about you know the fact that you have to accept what you like and what you don't like in your life. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of strengths and I've got a weak, lot of weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a very good <coughs> salesperson and I'm quite a good people person. So I get on well, well with people, but I don't suffer fools gladly. So when I'm at the poker table, I do get tilted by bad players and people who play bad poker. Okay. So if I say bad, see people play bad poker, this is one of my faults. Mm -hmm. I'll turn around and say, you played that like a total twat, do you know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah. and I shouldn't do that. And you, it shouldn't get my you, shouldn't, you shouldn't get tilted, I don't get tilted. No, One thing I don't but that's what you were saying. Yeah. You, you, you stop playing the game because of other people's play. No, 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 it's not that. It's not, it's not uh, so well, what you said out of love with the game, you said. No, I felt... So how can I describe it? <laughs> how can I describe it? I'm not out of love with the game. I absolutely love the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. But maybe I didn't saw the... I didn't have the time, I don't think. I didn't warrant the time spending yeah. playing the game, if that makes sense, as opposed to having a job or whatever it may yeah, be. You know, at, at the time, going or going, going out. out. That was the main thing. Because I started off playing tournaments, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I started off playing tournaments. But then I had stuff, I had to go and see birds and stuff. So I didn't yeah. want to sit at the table. But I'm serious, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I started that, playing cash after that because I could get money when I wanted to. Yeah, that's, so, that's, the th that's the thing. You asked me the question, mm. do I prefer cash or tournaments? Mm. Now, the benefits of cash mm. are you can come and sit down with £200 or however much money you want. You can win a bit of money and walk away. Walk away, exactly. Tournament, you, you've got a definitive time. So you yeah. start at 8 o'clock, it might go on till 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So you have to have that commitment. Yeah, and I used to lose money in tournaments purely because... You get a bad beat. No, I had enough. Oh, so you just let's, I'm, sat, I'm thinking like, oh, 
I've got to go now. I can't be bothered at all. My mate texts me, I'm, I'm at a club, I'm coming to work. Yeah. I'm further, and I'm like, oh man. So I'm thinking, and then I start going shoving, and somebody takes my money and I shoot off. But because it was quite cheap to buy for the tournaments. Yeah, yeah. So I was like 20 quid or 10 quid or something like that. Yeah, and that's down to your perception of money as well. Yes. If you're yes. Earn, if you're earning like two or three grand a month, mm-hmm. then 20, 30 quid to you isn't anything. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't no. mean anything. No. So you, you'll play differently. It's interesting because I, I do a lot of training as well. Mm-hmm. So I've trained a lot of people. I used to have a poker team mm-hmm. of 50 people. So I used to train people, you know, in a, in a group. Mm-hmm. So I think the most I've ever trained is like 12 people in one, one go. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot of one-to-one training and like, you know, a couple of people. You know Laurie Sanchez? <laughs> he's from Reading. Not yeah, he so plays poker. He's he was um he played Reading, played for Reading in Wimbledon. Okay. He might not be. I probably right. know him by face. Right. I well, I, I, tra- I did a bit of training with him. Only a couple of sessions, mm-hmm. but I spoke to him and I said, "Look, Glory, I've I've seen how you play poker because he plays at Reading, mm-hmm. and I want to improve your game, and I'm willing to give you a little bit of training and stuff like that." And he took me up on it. So we had a couple of training sessions mm-hmm. where I I taught him a few things, mm-hmm. and I said. But the first thing that my mentor said to me when um, he was training me, he said, what do you want out of poker? So that's always what I ask people. I, I go through like a system where I find out how they play hands and positions and their understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. And you can quickly assess that by just playing a couple of hands, mm-hmm. like one-to-one. And I turn around to Laurie and I said, Laurie, you know, obviously you've had a lot of success at football. You've been manager of Northern Oh, Ireland. yeah, of course, of course I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> I was all about, actually, I played with him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Years ago, played, years ago. Played a lot. Yeah, of course I know Laurie Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played with him in the past, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's a decent player, mm. and he's very, very tight. Mm. And every now and again, he has a little bit like, like you. He'll do something a bit weird. And I'm sure that's because he's quite comfortably off financially, I believe. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? I don't know his personal situation. But... You would imagine, but is it by design he does something off? Because I think you have to do something a bit off. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you can't because you become like a robot if you don't. No. So if I just play the game like I would play the game, like position, betting patterns, da 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 da, I become a bit. You kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I've got to just throw in a little something in the mix. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's I'm, I'm not necessarily going to show. I might show the the cap card just just show for the effect. Class. Just for effect. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you beat me, I'll show you. Yeah. And then you think, oh, you can't play. Yeah. Then. to him what do you want out of poker because mm-hmm. this is important it's important it's like what do you want out of poker mm-hmm. do you want to just go and enjoy the game or do you want to play a bit of cash you don't want to from the sound of things your feedback to me is you don't want to be playing like long tournaments so you have the time so i'm followed now if i could play poker now face to face you would i play a tournament now i yeah. would do easily because i've got the time on my hands but if not does that make sense yeah, if I have the time, I'd commit to the tournament because I know yeah. what I'm doing in the tournament. I yeah, like the pressure. I like people being because you you you, you then ask the question straight away, so you got to give an answer straight away. So we're all at the table, chips are going down, the time is going down. People got to make a decision. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Blinds like, going up. That's yeah, blinds are going up. Then yeah, you yeah. got to make a decision. I'm fine playing in that position. Yeah. But if I don't have the time, then I prefer a cash game because I when I'm working, I think I played about two years ago now. I went to the Vic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went to the Vic for yeah, a couple of cash games. Just sat down on my yeah, own, headphones in, speak to nobody. I don't like communicating either at the table. I like... You want to sit on, pick, pick their brains and... Yeah, no, I've got my headphones on. I actually don't... I actually don't yeah. pay attention. And then every now and again, mm-hmm. I take one headphone out and I listen a bit. I turn the volume down. Nobody knows I'm listening now. I turn the volume all the way down. 
and I'm listening and I'm watching and then but I don't want to communicate because I don't want to give myself. Yeah. And I try and keep the cards the same. I don't I don't know where I got it from. So back, flat, against the side, sit, look up. That's it. Cool. Whatever, just the same thing over and over. I don't Yeah. Yeah. Well that's yeah, going back to that, Stephen Chidwick. Mm. Daniel Agrano was talking about Stephen Chidwick and he said he's like a robot when he's at the table. He does things exactly the same. Yeah. So he'll put his cards down and he'll, he, you know, he won't change his position. He won't give anything. You don't want to give a you know And if you speak, because some people, I find a you'll few... You'll pick out up on that if your voice goes up or down. Yeah, and, and some people will speak to you. I remember, um, I was at a tournament in Jensen's. Is it Jensen's? The one in Kevisham. And, um, old lady. She, all she kept saying was, oh, young man, can you go? Oh, young man, uh, uh, can you pass my drink? And I kept speaking to her. That's probably Barbara. I'm not sure. I'm, <laughs> as soon, you know what she did? As soon as she knocked me out, as she actually knocked me out of the tournament, she just turned and gave me a cold shoulder. And I was like, oh, my God, she's done me. Yeah, oh, that sounds so like she, Barbara. She's been chipping away all yeah, the way yeah. through. She's getting information <laughs> exactly. and like setting you up for the ball. <laughs> That's definitely Barbara. Do you know what she called? She called me the devil spawn. Go on. You serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She got, she's a really funny lady, actually. She's quite well off. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of money, mm-hmm. but she plays poker. She, she, did she wear diamonds and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, I think it's her. Yeah. yeah, she's quite... Like I say, I think she's a bit minted. She just plays poker. Mm-hmm. But she gives you a rub down when she beats you. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, this is and she's woman. like... Um, one of her favourite sayings is... If you you got to be in it to win it and <laughs> stuff like that, she she loves a gamble and she yeah. the money doesn't mean anything to her, but no. she gets some kind of buzz. But out that's, of what, like that's, what, that's what I'm trying to say, like smashing young blokes. But at the table, <laughs> but at the table, I think how I see it is you're doing business. That's how I see the game. Yeah, it's a bit, we're doing business at that table. You know, we all sit down, we all put in investors this amount of money in, and it's a level playing field. So I don't care, you might be a millionaire, you have that be your last. Hundred pounds. That could be. Well, it doesn't matter. Could be could, that could be their rent. That could yeah. be um. One person could be a banker. The other one's a drug dealer. The other guy's a policeman. Nobody cares. We're all at the so table. And we're all playing this game. Yeah, you know that's I mean? that's one bad thing about poker. Actually, mm. poker, like any any gambling, attracts a lot of unsavoury people. Mm. So that's why I play in tournaments that are organised because yes, you've yes. got a tournament director. You've got, you know, dealers who are, are paid by... You've got the cameras, they can rewind the tape and see what happened. Well, I've yeah. played tournaments in North West. Mm-hmm. Like, I there's, I played in the casino in Manchester, mm-hmm. Berry New Road, which is right next to Moss Side, mm-hmm. which is one of the roughest areas in Manchester. And mm-hmm. You know that half the people you're playing against are drug dealers and pimps. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And but I've played against, like, Man United footballers as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, but you, but you know what the good thing, though, in, a, in an organised atmosphere? Yeah. Everyone drops... There's no, you know, there's no, uh, the drug dealer's got no ego. He's he's at the table playing poker. It's not, it doesn't matter who, you know what I mean? Like, you can play the chief of police. And for that minute, that drug dealer and that chief of police don't have any issue with each other. Because they're all on the table. Once they leave the table, whatever happens, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. Like you say, there is a policeman that plays at Reading, and I'm sure there's other drug, you know, people from various... Every background, yeah, every yeah. background. Every but background. going back to Laurie, mm. I said to him because there's a guy called Tony Cascarino who you might remember. He's a, he's a footballer from years ago, mm. reasonably successful, but he's been a successful poker player. And so Laurie knows Tony Cascarino; they're friends. Mm. So I said to Laurie, I said, "What do you want to achieve out of poker?" Mm. And he said, "Well, I've won 
you know, run deep in my big national tournament, the 25-25 in the Vic at London. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, so I want to kind of repeat that. But he said, I just really want to win one big tournament. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, I can work towards that and, and, and help you with that. Do you know what I mean? So, but that's, you know, ev everybody who plays poker, if they take it seriously, they have to make that decision mm -hmm. because you are going to commit a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You know, if, you, if you're going to play on a regular basis, you have to sort of look at your family, if, if you've got kids and, you know, you girlfriends to, and commitments, can you commit to this, this time to invest, to improve your game? Do you know what I mean? If, it's like if you play golf. Mm. You know, have you ever played golf? Yeah, I played golf. Yeah. yeah, so you know you've that got if, you, the time, got the time. if you play one game of golf, like once a month, you're not going to improve. No. And so if you want to improve at golf, you literally need to play like a couple of times a week, particularly yeah. through the summer, mm. to improve your long game, you know, your driving and, and your short game and chipping and stuff like that. Poker's exactly the same. Mm. You know, you, you have to sort of like watch those tells. Some people are just naturally crap at poker and they, they lose money and they're never going to be good. Mm. But the most... Most people who are intelligent and who can pick up information, who can learn, can improve and get a better, you know, better at poker. And that's effectively what I've done, really. When I first started playing poker, I was naturally okay at it because of what I did in my life and my life experiences, like we discussed before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've got tells and you can pick up information. Yeah. But then there's a lot of information that you can learn as well. Yeah. And by repetition, when you play poker, you can pick up a lot of information by people's bet sizing what they do you know I've, I've got one there's one guy that i play at reading and i've got a tell on him the way that he plays with his chips when he's got a hand yeah, yeah he yeah, hasn't yeah. got a hand yeah and i know that every time and it, it works 95 percent. occasionally i might get it wrong because he might play a hand differently but he's got no idea that i know that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what i mean yeah so when he's got the hand and he's playing with his chips in a certain way mm -hmm. I fold because <laughs> yeah, I know he's you know what, yeah, yeah. unless I've got like the nuts and then I get him to pay me off. Yeah. So it's kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I think I think I can't. I love the game. I'm not gonna lie. I yeah, like. Yeah. Well, that's kind of why why we're speaking, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. you're obviously interviewing people that you find interesting mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. Um, I flirted with getting into big buying tournaments, right? Years ago. Yeah. And then I did the maths to myself. So let's say that tournament you just mentioned, 500 euro buy in. Yeah. How many people you got beat to get to? How many people? You probably, there was probably about 1,300 people in that. So 1,300. So what yeah, I yeah. thought at the time was. Actually, no more than that. Probably 2,000 thinking about Because if the prize pool, prize pool was guaranteed at 1 million. Mm. So 1 million, they'd have to have 2,000 players to make that guarantee, wouldn't yeah. they? Because well, it was like 550 euros, so 50 euros goes to the casino, 50, 500 prize pool. My theory, my theory was this, so I, I did that, I just, it just came back to me just now. So, if I, instead of me putting 500 into a tournament and in one sitting, yeah. so let's say over, I don't know how long the tournament take. That would take three days. So over three days, beating yeah. 2,000 people, not necessarily beating but staying in because yeah, other people are meeting. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. let's say hypothetically how many people you're against, turn a table, how many tables you're against. I thought you could technically put that 500 on a cash table. How yeah. long would it take you on a cash table to get to 300,000? That's the question. Um, are you better off in a tournament or are you better off on a you cash table? You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't make 300,000 euros from 500. 
500 euros, no way, unless you ran like good, because, God, because you're going to lose pots and you're going to win pots. If you are an exceptional player, mm -hmm. then you're going to make maybe 200, 300%, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Which is only going to be a couple of thousand euros. No, 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 we're not in one sitting. That's what I'm saying. So that if you have one sitting and you, you make 300%, mm -hmm. you're going to be up to 2,000 euros. So mm -hmm. then you sit down at another cash table with 2,000 euros. Mm -hmm. And then you, you can have another winning session mm -hmm. and you can get up to 6,000 euros, mm -hmm. let's say. There's no way you're going to get to 300,000 euros. There's just no way. Because no. you're going to have losing sessions as well. You can't help the cards. You know, a lot of poker is about luck. There's no, but how, how I saw it then was, yeah. I still see it that way now, eh? right now. I wouldn't put the 2,000 in. I'd keep using the 500. And then take cash out 2,000. Cash out to a thousand, thousand, bank it, bank it, bank it, bank it. Yeah, but you have to. Yeah, but how often you get? You you think of the amount of time you're gonna you, go all in and lose a five hundred? No, and have to no, no, I'm not saying that. I had a friend who's not bad and he's a pretty disciplined player. Mm. He played cash and he used to travel up to the Vic. Mm. He lived in Birmingham, well, sort of just outside Birmingham, mm. and he used to go to the Vic and he used to stay in Airbnb. So you've mm. got the cost of the, the train travel, mm. you've got the cost of the Airbnbs, and then playing the tournaments. Mm. And he cleared thirty thousand pounds a year playing cash solidly. Mm. So if you went up to a higher level and you start playing at a higher level, but then you're going to get better players, bigger bigger then players. you might be able to do better. But he was playing like one two, you know, one pound, two pound entry when you when you when you're playing cash, mm. and he was making thirty thousand thirty thousand a year, which is the same as doing a normal job. Normal job so would you? Want to be sat, put in, yeah. yeah. Would you want to be sat traveling around away from people, antisocial, mm. to to work? To earn thirty thousand pounds a year, no, I'd rather be selling cars, you know, or I'd rather, I'd rather be yeah. working at a bookies. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It would, take you, it would take you technically ten years, and you got cost of living yeah. to get to the three hundred thousand. So you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like anything, anything in life. Do you know what I mean? People buy a house when they're young, and they get a mortgage because they pay a small amount each year, and yeah. they eventually pay it off. Poker for me, I I earn a basic salary, which is comfortable. It pays my rent and stuff like that. Everything I win at poker, I use I use for trips mm -hmm. to go to Vegas, to go to Dubai. Yeah. You know, any all, all my trips, all my holidays, and all my cars have been paid for by poker. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've got out of poker today. Mm -hmm. But I've also been in casinos where I've won lots of money at poker, and I've also wasted five hundred pounds on the blackjack table or a roulette. I, I don't play roulette, but I wasted money mm -hmm. gambling. Yeah. And doing silly things. And there's yeah. so many other poker players. And so this this is kind of a warning to people. Mm. You know, anybody that goes into a casino and wants to win big at poker, you can do it and it can happen, but you've also got the risk then of losing money. And if you're a gambler and you've got addictions, a bit like being an alcoholic or, you know, a drug addict or something like that, you can get caught by those other yeah. things and, and then in a casino you've got all the vices around you anyway exactly. everything's right there in front of you so I don't know cool. whether you've got any personal vices and stuff like that but um, it's, it's an interesting not, not gambling not gambling partying really? really? a lot yeah. <laughs> partying a lot when I was younger but I think I've got out of my system I'm not because yeah that comes with maturity doesn't it it does it does I think with age and everything like, I'm at a point now where it's more very have you got any kids yeah I've got two kids yeah. oh yeah. yeah oh yeah I think yeah you got a girl on you? Yeah, I got a girl on the board, yeah. Girl the girl's board. older, the boy's um, yeah. girl's 16, 14. Yeah, see, that that changes your perspective on life as well. I mean, when I, when I was younger, when I was at school, I went to, like I say, I went to Meadway, which was a multiracial school. Mm. 
and there was there were people in there who couldn't even read or write. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they shouldn't. But that's what the comprehensive system was. Yeah. But I, I would say a lot of my friends went to Reading School, which was like a single sex school, like a grammar school, and I should have gone there because I was intelligent enough to go. So that's kind of one of my bug bear bug bugbears in life. And um, <clears throat> but they didn't know how to interact with women. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, on a on a racial level, mm. I I met a lot of a lot of my best friends were, you know, black guys. Mm. Um, and Indian guys and you know Chinese Chinese guys when I went to college so I was brought up with that and so in my life <clears throat> I've never had a problem with people and I, I've never really got into a big fight or anything like that because I wouldn't consider myself like an unreasonable person or no, you're, you're, at the end of the day like how we met each other in the first place you're very personal yeah but you know you, when we go to tournaments like years ago yeah, I used yeah. to go to tournaments you can see who Who's alright and who isn't? Who, you know, when you sit at the table, it doesn't really matter. But before you get to sit at the table, you obviously get to socialise and speak to everyone. Yeah. And obviously, I warm to you and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Straight away, but then you can That's tell. That's probably them. because we got the same kind of intellect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's well, what's some, your star sign? Um, I'm Libra, which is some, I'm kind of you're the same. Same as that. Same yeah, as yeah. that. Same so as I'm that. Quite, that. Yeah. I'm quite level-headed, but <clears throat> as I say, as, as I've got as I've got older. It's been interesting for me to understand my strengths and weaknesses. As I say, I've I've run my own business. I've had, you know, I run a marketing company, so I used to deal with some of the biggest companies, some of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. Okay. And and so we we used to do like serious money, and I I used to earn really good money, mm. so I could still do that. I was I was just going to ask what. <clears throat> Would well, you want to get back into that? Or not really. Not no. really, no. No, because I think as, I, as I've got older, mm. you know, when you get to about 40, this is bad news for you. How old are you? Nearly 40. Yeah, when you get to about 40, yeah. 45, your yeah. eyes go, mm. right? What do you and mean? I, I had 20, I had 20, 20 vision mm. when I was a kid. Mm. When I was growing up, mm. you get to about 40 and you start needing reading glasses and mm. shit like that. Yeah. That's just life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the things that I used to do when I was younger, and I used to have a really good eye for art and design and stuff like that, and I used to create logos for national companies. Okay. I used to do a lot of exhibitions, um, do all their marketing for the exhibition, so all the logos, create logos for that, create brochures mm. and business cards <coughs> and things like that, which is probably your your logo stuff, isn't it? You, aren't you yeah. creative? I'm a bit creative. I'm not, yeah, not, 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 personally, not personally creative. But, yeah, um, but you understand that kind of industry. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was in, mm. and so I had a successful business. I, I, I made mistakes because I went into business with people. I've never ever stitched anybody up in my mm. life. I've never stolen money. I've never robbed anybody. Mm. Like in my job at the moment, I've like never missed a day at work. I've never been late for my jobs. Mm. So I'm quite conscientious. Mm. But I've had people rip me off, mm. and people walk away and stitch me up for money, mm. and that's probably because of my upbringing. Yeah, because but that, that says a lot about them, not about you. Because at the end of the day, like, good luck to them. That's how I see it. Yeah. You know, like, you can only get burnt once by somebody, innit? You know oh, yeah, mean? yeah. And then, because that's how it goes. Everybody justifies themselves. That's no, it. but that's they the have thing. to. Good luck to them. That's, yeah. that's how I see it. You know, you have to have people like that. If you don't have people like that, then there's no way of you... They're basically keeping on your toes. That's how I see it. Yeah. Life would be pretty boring. It would be if it? everybody was the same. Yeah. It's the same as poker. That's what I was gonna say. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, because in poker, if everybody plays the same way of poker, yeah. it's just gonna be the most mind-numbing game. Exactly. It's like if you're Barbara, about, if Barbara, Barbara didn't do to me what she did, yeah, she, yeah, I, she I still be at the table. I'd be at the table <laughs> talking to everybody like, oh yeah, but I don't do that anymore. 
Man. Since that day, I walked away from a lesson. She taught me a big lesson because yeah, I was walking yeah. away. I was walking away from the table. You remember, you used to go in in cabinetry. Used to go in, and it was on the left. The table yeah, yeah. before they moved them to the back. Yeah, it used to, it used to be on the left. It used to be dropped like a drop down. Drop yeah. down, and you had a little yeah. banister. So I'm, I'm, I think I, I, I don't know. I was not far out of cashing. You know, I wasn't far out of cashing. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm walking away, and and you know, when you're walking away after you're knocked out of the tournament. It's like. Tail between your legs, heads <laughs> down, and I'm walking. I'm thinking oh, like, dude. she just done me, like, and there's nothing I can do about it because I should have known better. And yeah. since the next time I came back, I had my headphones in, spoke to nobody, nothing, said didn't say a word. You know, I said like, normal, like, are you doing you right? Yeah, and that's it. And then something else happened, and then later on, I was thinking, no, 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 we gotta be like you said, like a robot. The card has to go to the middle in the same way. I sit forward or I sit back. It doesn't matter. I make eye contact if I don't, and. I have a sorry look on my face. No matter what, I can like, have aces, pre-flop, sorry look on my face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, one, <clears throat> one of the hardest things in poker is to pass kings pre-flop. And I've only ever done it three times in my life. What do you mean? Well, if you're sitting at a poker table, mm -hmm. you, get, you get dealt two kings, mm -hmm. right? There's been a raise, a re-raise, and then it comes to you. What do you do? You know the name of the podcast, right? <laughs> Live like kings. I'm shoving, mate. Exactly. So you, yeah. you're you not going to fold kings, are you? No, no, no. So no. if you run into aces... Oh, I thought you meant fold it. No, no, come, come, come. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is if you run into aces... Mm -hmm. it's oh, pre-flop. No, pre-flop aces are good. But yeah. after the flop, the turn on the river, I fancy kings. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, am I, I gambling? Do. Am I gambling yeah, there? you are gambling. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the logic of that says... The odds of aces beating kings is like 80, 80, 20. 80 Pre -flop. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you shoved every time you had kings mm. against aces, you're gonna lose four times out of five. Yeah? That's 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 okay. the stats. Well I'm not I don't do the mathematics behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I just hate aces. I absolutely hate them. Because they don't they do me no favours. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I if I if I slow play it for some reason. A pair of aces against most pairs, mm -hmm. kings it's slightly different because you've got more combinations. Mm -hmm. So it's probably eight and twenty, but Aces against pocket threes is mm. 85 25 pre flop. So if you shove with threes and I shove with aces, 85% mm. I'm going to win. Mm. So eight, eight and a half times out of 10. So what I'm saying to you is pre flop, depending mm. on how the betting's going, mm. can you fold kings pre flop? Have you ever folded kings pre flop? I have. I probably have. I probably have. I've done it three times. Have you? Yeah. I've, I've, folded, I've, I've been pushed to folding hands pre flop. Aces are fold. It depends on the positioning in the past, I think. The betting's come around, I've seen raised. And there's too many people in the hand, and I've got aces and I fold it. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Because if everybody's time. jumping in it, that tells me there's a lot of connectors out there. Yeah. Or people <clears throat> with absolutely nothing just trying to represent something, you know what I mean? So yeah. when it gets back to me, I'm chucking it. And I, I, I'll watch the play, because at that point, all I want is information. You shouldn't do that. No? No. You shouldn't ever fold aces. Early in, it depends on the stage of the tournament. So in early stages of a tournament... Oh, no, 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 not tournament, I was talking cash. Oh, in cash. cash. Tournament, completely different. Oh, right, different. Yeah, no, yeah. this is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm talking about tournaments because that's my, my forte. Yes, yes. But yeah, you're right. Aces aren't necessarily going to win all the time. And no. you're not... If you, In a multi-way pot, if let's say there's five players in a, in a hand mm -hmm. and you've got aces, mm -hmm. the hand combinations that you're up against yeah. mean that you're not favourite. No. So one in five... You know, one, one in... You're, there's five hands, mm -hmm. so each one of those hands have got a percentage. A variable. Exactly. If they've got six, seven of spades, yeah. you could be yeah, screwed. No, exactly. 
red aces, like ace, ace times ace of hearts, mm. comes three spades on the board, you're screwed. You're done, exactly. You flop right. them. No, tournament, to to sorry. I keep. Yeah. My mind's stuck in cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, tournament wise, no, 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 I'm not folding. But it's positioning again. Yeah. It's all about, all about positioning. Because I'm not going to be um, enticed into anything I don't really want to be. I always want to dictate what's going on, one way or another. Yeah. So, even in a tournament, it depends what, what, how, how deep your stack is. So if I'm exactly. chip leader, it's where you are in the tournament. Exactly. If you're in the money on the tournament, then you can fold aces. Yeah. Because my 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 mentor did it. I I don't generally fold aces, mm. but I have. No, I don't think I ever have actually. No. Not in a tournament. But, no, but my my mentor did, and he was wrong because mm. he would have won. Mm -hmm. But it was the right decision because mm. he knew that three or four people would have got gone out in the mm. tournament, and he would have landed it's up like two thousand. Exactly. Pounds. It's, it's too messy. So you want to just. Right. But if I tell you about one of the hands that I, I played with when I had kings, there's been a guy he's raised, two guys are flatted, and I've got kings in a late position, so you understand position. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Button. yeah. So this guy's in early position, he's the tightest player you've ever met in your life, mm -hmm. and it's a big tournament. I've got good chips, mm -hmm. and we're playing for it. It was at least five, well, at least 250, maybe 500 pound buy in. Mm -hmm. So we're talking like mm -hmm. 40, 50 grand for yeah, the winner. Yeah. Um, and he's come round to me, and because he's, he's raised, I know he's a tight player, so I'm thinking, he's raising with a solid hand. Mm. He's definitely got a hand. Ace, mm. king, probably the worst. Mm. Pocket tens upwards, mm. right? I've got kings. He could even have kings. Mm. So the other two guys are flat, flat mm. So I sat there, and I thought, I need to define my hand. Mm. I need to find out where yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah. So I've, I've put a... Norm, normally, with kings, if there hasn't been much action, and depending on the people in the tournament, I would have flattened the kings. Mm -hmm. I hope I hit the king on the flop. Mm -hmm. But because this is pre-flop, and I'm thinking... See, I would never... I would, I would raise instantly. That's what I did. Yeah. So I've over-raised. So I've bet really big, because I thought, well, I, I want to get heads up, get this tight player, Nick Crisp, mm -hmm. out, of, out of the hand. Mm -hmm. right? I raised it, like, put more chips in than I should. Mm -hmm. Like, over-bet the pot. He's then raised me. <laughs> wow. Right? wow. So the other two people are like a little sandwich. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? We're the bread, they're the meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they fold like yeah. you know, like nobody's like a pack of cards, they just fold quickly. Yeah. So it's now down to me and this really tight player. Yeah. And I've got kings. And I'm thinking this is for my tournament. He's got he's got yeah, but how much of your stack how much of your stack was invested? That's the question. Well, we were quite deep, so we okay. had plenty of chips. But yeah, yeah. the thing was, and I've looked at him and he's and I, you know, looking at tails and looking at people's eyes, and, mm. and that's why this is why I wear a cap when mm -hmm. I play poker. That's why I'm dressed like this because yeah. this is kind of my poker. Yeah. And I, you know, the lights, this this blocks the light, and yeah. I can also put my head down. Yeah, you can peek out from under. Yeah, yeah, yeah peek yeah. out. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's just my persona when mm. I play poker. Mm. And like you say, I did it when I first met you. Yeah, yeah the first time I met you, you had a cap on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you had a cap off. You got to the table, bang, the cap came on. You don't wear a cap in the casino, do you? Yeah. You have to own it at the tables. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. In yeah. some places, you, you know, you're not allowed to. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I am balding, so it mm. kind of makes me probably look a little bit younger than I am. Yeah, but, but go anyway, on. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this geezer, yeah. he's, he's then, he's raised me, and I'm thinking, what hands is he raising me with? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I've, I've over raised it mm. to find my hand to mm. find out where I am. Yeah. The best scenario is probably that he's got kings as well. He's definitely not doing that with queens because no. I know how the guy plays. Yeah. And he's not doing it with ace king and he's yeah. in early position as well. Yeah. So I've defined. That's a brash move, a very brash move. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, I'm, I said to him, I said, I actually said to him, Nick, have you got aces? Mm. 
Because I know to get the kitchen. Really <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he, he's kind of got a little bit nervous, and yeah. his eyes, eyes are looking all over the show. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I knew. Mm. So I turned my kings over. I folded mm. and turned my kings over, and everybody on the table's gone, "What the fuck, you nuts?" Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. like, "Nah, nah good luck." What to you. are you doing? No, you know, you know. If yeah. luckily he turned the aces over and showed me. No, but the only thing, if you respect the player, yeah. In that position, and they behave in that manner, they've got aces. Yeah, you've got to respect that. Yeah, you have to, innit? You can't. Yeah, and there's actually there was another time. One of the other times when I folded kings was mm. against a lady, the similar age to Barbara. Yeah. who's was a friend of Barbara. Okay. And oh, I, knew, I knew. She had aces, and I said the same to her. Yeah. So I said to her, "Have you got aces?" Yeah. And she's like, "Just the read I got off." I thought she's only doing that with aces. Yeah. And my kings aren't good, so I folded to her as well. Yeah. So, like I say, I've only done it like three times in my life. <coughs> I folded king, queens once, and I open folded them to this girl, mm. and she looked at me as if I was crazy. So I and that was a bad fold. That's not another point I was gonna make was how I read the game anyway. Like it's like when a group fight, you know, they're all especially tournaments, I look at cash, I just get information. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are going to look at you, what you're doing in that position, and think you're doing something crazy. That's how, what I feel, yeah? But depending on how many people are in that hand, sometimes I like to just sit back at cash table. Mm -hmm. It's worth me just folding, just to gain information. You know, once you get yeah. like five people in the hand, it gets messy. So if I could step out of it for a minute, and just watch what everyone's doing, especially if I've got enough chips. Yeah. If I don't have chips, then I'll fight it. I don't mind. If I'm going to get knocked out on Kings, cool. So be it. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's, it's a hard, hard fold. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't watch what anybody else thinks of what I'm doing at the table because there's a logic to what I'm doing. Even though I, it makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to get... It's, it doesn't, it's not every fight you need to get involved in. You know what I mean? Especially... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, especially yeah. Some, some people have no off button. And they play ev literally ev every but hand. I love people like that. Yeah. I do love people like that because in cash tables, that's how I make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's, there's my mentor said to me, mm. going back to the Kings, he mm. said, if you make a decision and you get it wrong, like I, I, I folded the Queens and mm. I was definitely wrong to mm. fold the Queens. He said, one of the positives is you've still got your, your chips. Exactly. So exactly. you might make a bad decision, but you still got your chips, and you can make a, a, a better decision later on. Because it's, it's all information. Because you're still in the tournament. It's all information. And he, how I see it. Yeah. He he taught me that basically when I play a tournament, mm -hmm. I have to play every hand like I could go out of the tournament if you can. Even right. if you're a chip leader, mm -hmm. within two or three hands, you could go out of the tournament if you make three bad decisions. Yeah. Like, you know, I sit at poker tables with people for like two days. Exactly. And people know know me. Mm -hmm. I have a, so many arguments because I hate bad poker. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of arguments with people. Mm -hmm. But usually, because I spend that amount of time with those people, mm -hmm. like we built up a relationship, mm -hmm. we've never fallen out. No. But I've fallen out with so many people because I turn around and say, what? How did you play that hand? Why did you play it like that? Yeah, but, but the beauty, what I find is the, the beauty of the game is people, they, they're allowed to do it. They're, they're allowed to do what the hell they want to do. Yeah. Good luck to them. It's my aim, it's my aim to capitalize on that. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I've never, I don't think I've ever been tilted. Ever. I'm, I'm serious. I've yeah, never yeah, been tilted yeah. on the table. Because yeah, that's your personality. Yeah, because I think that it's not, I'm doing what I'm doing, you're doing what you're doing. At the point I figure out what you're doing. <laughs> It's all over because now I know what you're doing, and I know if you if if you knock me out once and I play with you regularly, then I'm gonna remember that, like you said. Yeah. And I know what kind of style of play you have. But I don't because I I I am capable of doing anything at the table, man. Yeah. Literally anything. Like I would, but I know 
like I'll play King two off two. Yeah, yeah. Out of position, like I've got aces. But then I build up to that. So yeah, yeah. game by game, I wouldn't like I wouldn't just randomly do it. I'd yeah, play really that, well. Like, I'd play really well, and and then you don't show your cards either, so people don't see the cards. Or I might I might choose to show the good one. Or I might show the bad one. Yeah, yes. Yeah. To tilt you. Yeah. No, you're like, oh, what's he doing? So I don't believe anything he did before. Now you think I don't, you know what I mean? And then when you come in with me, follow me on that ride next time, you better believe I've got the nuts. Because generally I only play the nuts. So I, like, oh, I learn from you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So why, why would you say, because obviously we've had discussions on a personal level, why would you say you're successful in the job that you do? Um, patience. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not just that. It's... There's a lot of transferable skills from the poker table that come because I mentioned before about somebody else that played poker that's really good at what, yeah, what he does as well. Exactly, and I think that no, you're saying he's successful at poker as well. It's he's not, tricky. you know, you know what, you know what poker. I think poker gives timing. Mm-hmm. It's timing. So it's being having the discipline to just read and read the information, read the information. And having the timing to say what's right to get a certain response response or yeah. result from it. It's the same with the poker table. Because you're going to sit there for hours playing, playing, you're playing well. But then you've got to know when to execute. Like you yeah. said, you folded the queens out of time. But you, you didn't make a mistake. I don't believe there's any mistakes. Yeah. As long as you're still in the game. So let's say the game of life is life we're living now. Yeah. As long as you're still breathing, you're still in the game. You can lose whatever, if it's financial you're looking at, emotional, whatever it may be. As long as you learn from that mistake and you don't repeat it, or if you do repeat it, you're aware you're repeating it, the fact that you're aware of it means you can change that. So yeah. at the poker table, how I see it is, I'm just, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm listening, and I'm watching the game, and I'm just waiting to execute, but at the right time. Because the only, the only time, only thing we get wrong in poker I think from my conversation, even now, is the timing, isn't it? Yeah. Folding the aces at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or playing the kings at the wrong time. Yeah. Or, you know, that's what it is, the timing. You know yeah. yeah. That's what I think, you know what I mean? Another thing, there's so many, there's so many cl- cliches in poker. Mm. So one, one of them is, if you make a bad decision, obviously, you, you know, you've still got your chips. Mm. But one thing that I learned, never play the last hand before the break, right? You might be a bit irrational. Other people might be a bit irrational. Yeah? Yeah, it's not so much you. Okay. And also, don't play the first hand after the break. Because they have like you. 15 minutes yeah. of like planning what they're going to do. They know what their chip stack is. They've had a lot of time to think things through. Mm-hmm. And they just do crazy things. So that's a really so good advice. That's a good, 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 really good advice. Really yeah, good yeah. Advice. So ease in and ease out of the break. Yeah. So going well, back to, again, another question few things sort of keep popping back in my head but you're talking about Phil Ivey mm-hmm. and people he's there's a, so many of the top poker players have really underestimated how good they are mm-hmm. so it's, I've, I've played against a lot of the top po- poker players in the world I don't know them that well mm-hmm. played against Jamie Gold who won the biggest World Series when there were six and a half thousand um, runners in the World Series and he's he's a horrible bloke mm-hmm. he's he's very he took the piss out of me because I spoke English and he was just generally quite rude. 
but I've seen him like be like that with other people, and he's just not a nice person. Mm. So there's a lot of people who are disrespectful and not. not but nice uh, but that's his strategy, right? No, he's is just he trying to tilt? Because no, you, you know that you know the film Molly's Game. Yeah, yeah. You must have seen that. I've seen that film. I've seen that, yeah. Brilliant film. Yeah. Now, the, the professional that they talk about in that is Jamie Gold. They don't, they're not allowed to mention his name for legal yeah, reasons. Yeah. Because Toby Maguire was a person who was the guy that is the um, celebrity that mm. was organising the game and bringing all his friends along. Mm. And Jamie Gold was the player that they said was the World Series player they wanted to get to the game because he was lo losing a lot of money. Because mm. he's not a good poker player. Mm. He's just generally not a nice guy. Mm. But a lot of the players are, are good people and they're really, really nice and chatty and stuff like that. I've spoken to so many you know, good players. But going back to what you said about Phil Ivey, why is he different from everyone else? Mm. One thing that people don't appreciate about Phil Ivey is if you look at on the internet for a lot of his sayings and a lot of what he teaches people when he does you know, impart information to other people, is he plays a lot of small pots, takes a lot of little pots and just chips away. Like you were saying, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Mm -hmm. He doesn't play the big pots. If you play a big pot... You're investing a lot. You're risking a lot. You can, you can go out and Yeah, you're risking a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it is it's a good strategy. Because you're taking the little pots, like nobody notices you, but you're, you're building up slowly, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're easier to take. Yeah. They're, they're much, much easier to take. Right. So, and if, I mean, the biggest difference, like we are chatting about pot limit and no limit holder, mm -hmm. going back to that, is pot limit. You can only put in the pot mm -hmm. what, you, what you're going to, um, you know, the amounts in there. So let's say the blinds are 20, 40. Mm -hmm. When you come in, you can only put that 40 in plus whatever else is in the pot, so another 100. Mm -hmm. So you can only put 140 in, so to, you know, to raise it, basically. Mm -hmm. um, whereas no limit, you can just literally, you've got 5,000 chips, you can shovel yeah, the 5,000. Yeah, but that's why I prefer the no limit, because the way I look at it, if you're playing with somebody not quite as skilled, they might not even respect the raise on a pot. You know what I mean? Even if you raise a pot, they might think, oh, well... Yeah, but shoving, shoving all in takes away any skill whatsoever. All that does is it just makes it. It just makes it. A, a no, it's not about shoving all in all the time. But it's <laughs> having the ability, yeah, to yeah. shut it down when you don't want any action. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I guess don't put like aces pre-flop. If you shove all I'm, in, I'm on the button. I'm on race. the button pre-flop. Yeah. I'm not having it. Nobody's getting it. <laughs> and I'll chuck all my chips in there. I'm letting you know I've got aces. So if you want to go on a race right now. Let's do it. You know, I, mean? I don't want to be out of this, but I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing. I don't. I don't know. It depends. Well, I, I, I think the strategy with that is isn't a bad thing really because people would never read you for having aces. If you shovel it, let's say it's been limped mm. and somebody raises, and then it comes to you and you just shovel in for mm. five thousand chips, mm. you're probably going to get called if someone's got like kings or queens or mm. even ace king or ace queen. They might call mm. you. Do you know what I mean? Because they're thinking, oh, he's not going to shove all in with aces this early stage with the value. Yeah, but you, right, I, I'll tell you another thing about poker again. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that I read. It's all psychology. Of, it's, it's very philosophical, right? And part of that, I believe, we can only judge someone by our own standards, right? Yeah. So the statement you just made, you're assuming they're the other person. The same level. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they might not be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then, that, that, that's some... It's the beauty, and it's like a double-edged sword. Yeah, because that you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. I mean, this conversation really is analysing why, you know, the logic of why people play poker tournaments, you know, what their motivations are, yeah. and stuff like that. 
like you said about that guy, you know, he, he, he flew to Vegas in his private jet. I went on Uber. Yeah. For twelve dollars. Yeah. I'm sure, see, I'm he, sure he's he can, still. He can see every hand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He can see every hand. So he's he's just having a bit of fun. Yeah. You know what I mean, but and so you have to accept. Usually, this is this is a classic saying which my mentor always says to me, mm. right? And he says, if you go out of a tournament, mm. who do you think's to blame? You're always to blame. You're always to blame. You're always to blame. Because it's your decision. Yeah. So you have to assess everything yeah. and you have to say to people, right, you're doing that because of this, but you don't know their motivations. Like no. I say, you don't know why they're playing. Like no. And what their financial Or what's going on, or what's in their head right now, have they got to get up and leave? Yeah. You don't know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, he might have got a booty call. Yeah. Like how you see that. Halfway through the tournament, the chips are going to the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is funny, actually, because that's one thing that I find really difficult. Because, like, like you say, I try to put people on the same hands or play the way that I play. Mm. And that's one of the hardest things in poker because you have to take all that out of the equation and you think. But it's the same. It's the same with life, like you said. Yeah. Like you've been in business with people who have got to be blind. Yeah. Because that because you assume they were got the same morals. They were the same heart you've got. Yeah. yeah. Well, not everybody's like that. Believe yeah. it or not, the guy that done you wrong, he probably thinks everybody's out to rob him. So he, yeah. in his mind, he's justifying it probably by saying, "Well, I done it to him before he done it to me." Because yeah. he's a robbing bastard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he can only assume that everybody else. Can. <laughs> No, everybody sees sees things in their own way. Mm-hmm. It was funny because when I when I was younger, I remember my dad. I turned around to my dad and I had a girlfriend that I was engaged to, mm-hmm. and I said, "Oh yeah, her family are quite strange. They never say that they love each other." Because my family used to always say, "Oh, we love you." And, yeah. and he said, "Why do you think that's strange?" He said, "You know, that's the way she is. That's the way she's been brought up. So so many things influence you, your." life and your decision making mm-hmm. you know like the way you're brought up you know you're brought up in sierra leone mm-hmm. comes to the uk you can have a completely different yeah, so it's, yeah. perception yeah. of life than somebody that's been you know brought up here or yeah. was, was born here it's, even with the same ethnicity yeah you know what i mean 100%, 100%. so it's it is quite interesting in life and that's why i think Poker is like a it's microcosm. It's a microcosm. It's hundred It is hundred percent that. And it's our like meditation. Poker. Yeah. That's how I found it when I started playing. Because you have to be still. You literally have to just be still and just observe everyone. And I was a very active person before I started playing poker. No, no, no. I'm very active anyway. Yeah. But I had to learn how to chill the hell out and just observe. Because so you, when you say you're quite an active person, just sort of. Socially, or used to in every aspect, chat, chatting all the time. Yeah, so sports to an extent at school, not yeah. so much sports. But what school did you go to? A few family. What you're Irish then? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> yeah, 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 Catholic. <laughs> no, I'm not actually Catholic, I'm not. But no. uh, I got how um, did you end up there then? I, I moved to the area, so I moved locally. So, and it was, was like literally just around the corner, around the corner. So, went there, and a friend of mine went to the school, so I went there. And my parents spoke to the, um, we went in for an assessment, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, take them in. Because it wasn't, it wasn't really religious. There was a lot of Irish no, people, no. a lot of Catholics, but it wasn't, yeah. when I got there, it was very multicultural. No, because you're, you're like 15 years younger than me. So yes. It's, it's different. But when I, when I was, I went to South Coast, mm-hmm. South Coast School, and then 
I should have gone to Reading School, but I ended up going to Meadway. Mm. And Hugh Farringdon was predominantly Irish people yeah. and, and, and Catholics and stuff like that. It, it wasn't and a during time when I was being brought up. Mm. There was a lot of trouble in Ireland as well. Okay. There was a lot of. It was quite IRA and stuff. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you went to school, it probably changed changed a little bit. Yeah, there was no, no, there wasn't. No, everybody was just maybe the the generation before them. Yeah, had gone through all of that, and there was a bit of friction, maybe fighting yeah. with other schools and that. But when I got there, it was all good. Yeah, you know? it probably calmed down a bit. Yeah. yeah, I remember in my my youth, there were a lot of fights between like a lot of the Oxford Road, like the West 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 Reading, mm-hmm. was predominantly. Um, Afro-Caribbeans and Africans, mm. not Polish like now. It's like yeah, yeah, Polish, yeah. and there was a lot of skin skinheads as mm. well. And yeah. so there was a lot. The football of, stadium was just around the corner, wasn't it? Yeah, El Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. El Park. And yeah. there used to be a lot of fights between the black guys and the skinheads yeah, yeah, yeah. in the town centre, and it wow. was like mental. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a bit when I was growing up, a little bit when I was growing up. Yeah, but, but not was, so much, you know. Yeah, I think it probably calmed down then. people, CCTV. They got CCTV cameras. Maybe a few people did a few <laughs> jail sentences, you know what I mean? I know that whole world, you know what I mean? Uh, interesting times though, do you know what I mean? Because thing, things have definitely changed a little bit, do you know what I mean? I've been watching a lot of the Heads Up stuff with, you know, Doug Polk's been playing Daniel Grano, do you know about okay. that? No, no, I don't know. I, listen, I, prior to speaking to you to come now, <laughs> I haven't been following Polk, I've been out of poker for uh, so okay. long. Well, there's a guy called Doug Polk, mm-hmm. and he's he, he does a lot of podcasts, and he does a lot of training, mm-hmm. and... Everyone used to think he was a bit of a big mouth and he was a bit up his own ass and mm. stuff like that. But he's actually a really good poker player and he's he he's, he he did well in the one drop, which is a really really big one. Yeah, yeah. And he won a World Series bracelet. So he's and he's an online player. Mm. So he's obviously he does talk a lot. He's typical kind of American, mm. you know, very brash. Face and, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, he he talks, exaggerates a lot of things and is very animated and very enthusiastic, over enthusiastic about things. Mm. And Daniel Negrano was definitely, prior to this GTO, you know, the Game Theory mm-hmm. Optimal, he had a system which he used to play, which was based, you know, basically his own way that he'd formulate to play against other players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, his game kind of is looked at as, he was really good in 2006 to 2010, mm-hmm. but now he's not quite as successful well, because other people are caught up. Mm-hmm. And so even like the top players, you know, get online players or young players to teach them all, all about these different theories. And, mm-hmm. You know, so, and there's one of my favourite players is Johnny Chan. Johnny Chan, oh, yeah. he won, I think he won three World Series main events, mm-hmm. or at least a couple, and he's just won loads of World Series bracelet. He's like the best player ever. He plays a hand against Huxley where he's got aces, and Huxley flops a set, mm-hmm. and he doesn't put a penny in the pot for after, after the flop. Which is just mental. Most players wouldn't, you know. But he just he got a read and he knew exactly what was what was going on. Mm. And you know, I said about Jamie Gold that nobody really likes. Well, he's not a very popular guy. Mm. He trained Jamie Gold, so he mentored him to win the World Series. And Jamie Gold went man like God, and he won the World Series mm. main event. So was Chan in the World Series with him or not? He played the tournament as well. But yeah. He he mentored him, so he trained him mm. and told him what he needed to do and how he needed to play to, yeah. to be successful. So to train a player that isn't 
sort of recognised as being one of the best players to, and to, to win the tournament level. like that. Yeah. It's the pinnacle player. Yeah. But he, he talks like a farmer. Like he's like, yeah, I know, I know. And he doesn't sound very intelligent, but he is. He's like, seriously, one of the best poker players I've ever met in my life. And but that's, he, what, that's what part of his personality though. Yeah, he he comes across and gives the impression he's... Look, if you, if you meet him face... If, if, okay, I know him, right? Yeah. If you meet Graham face to face at a poker tournament, you think you can get one over on him. But yeah. you can't. And he lulls you into this, like, oh, don't worry, man, you're all right. You know what I mean? Like, and then you sit down and... You've taken the eye off the ball. You've taken the eye off the ball. You're doing your bath. Exactly. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you know. Yeah. He would do. He would. But he'd do it with with style. I don't think he'd eject you and then make you feel bad. He's he's respectful. That's what I like about the game. I think at the table, there's a decorum. There's a certain level of decorum at the table. Yeah. But at the same time, was Gold, you said, the guy that's a bit rude? Jamie Gold. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fine because some people need to go out of room. Yeah. They need it. You have to have a bad guy. You know what I'm saying? You have at the table. You know what I mean? Like some, some people will do it on purpose. They yeah, but that's a strategy. That's you know, strategy. Will, will Kasuf, there's a, there's a famous um, confrontation. Will Kasuf has got kings. Mm-hmm. Um, this other guy, I can't remember his name now. Oh, what is his name? But he's he's got aces. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Will Kasuf is all about talking and winding people up. You, you must have heard of Will Kasuf. No, I haven't. I haven't. Look up Will Kasuf. I'm going to. Okay, yeah. yeah. But you look up, oh, I wish, wish I knew the guy's name. I'll send the link to you. Mm-hmm. But he's he's like a really successful, oh, Beringer, his mm-hmm. name is. Mm-hmm. So Beringer against Will Kasuf, mm-hmm. right? And watch the confrontation. It's in the World Series main event. There's about 20 players there. Mm-hmm. He's got aces and Will Kasuf's got kings. Mm-hmm. And he basically trash talks the guy. And it's bang out of order. No, I think it's fine. No, it's you see, not. No, no, I think it's it is. I think it is. I, I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. <laughs> well, it all's all fair in love and war and, and poker. Yeah, no, because the, the way I see it is like this, yeah? The whole aim of the game, like I said, it's like it's to get all your chips. <laughs> it's to get all your chips, first of all, yeah? Yeah, yeah? By any means necessary, within reason. So you can't physically take the chips, but anything psychological or... Anything you can do to get the other person off his game is fair game at the table. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Obviously, the decorum, you wouldn't want to be objective. Like, you're not going to be racist. You're not going to do things like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, or, you know, or somebody's religion. Or you're not going to do that. Yeah. We know what we're here to do. Yeah. But if I can rattle you, like, by saying something to you, and then you get rattled and you're on tilt, your decision making process is off now. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I wouldn't personally do that because that's not in my character. Yeah. yeah. But there are people that who will, but I don't see anything wrong with that. No. Because yeah, that's it's a, it's a double-edged sword again. Speech talk, you know. Because at the end of the day, the speech person talk. trying to rattle me, I, I look at it from my perspective first, yeah, I judge from my perspective, then I take myself out of it and be like, but that's my perspective. Is that person like that? The aim is to figure out what that person's like to then understand is he his parameters, yeah, how far he, he will go. Do I make me make you understand? But then you yeah. can't rattle me. So the more you do that, the more you rattle yourself. Because you're, it's like, Bang your head against a brick wall. Yeah. Because I'm just sat there thinking, like, okay, carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on. I'm going to nuts. You yeah. understand? And that's it. You know what I mean? So you got to let people do what they're doing. You know yeah. I think it's, it's all fair. Like, because the people, that gold guy, he has, there are people that are like that. Yeah. They're, they're like the, yeah, but the other, the other reason why I'm talking about him was when he won the World Series, he had, he had, 
another guy that was back backing him or mm. something, or he put the money in. Mm. So Jamie Gold was um, being taught by Johnny Chan, but there was another guy that was involved with um, Jamie Gold, and they had an agreement that mm. basically he would get 50% of his winnings, mm. and he reneged on that, and he had to go to court. We come back again to what you said in the first place. <laughs> Look, put it in writing. Yeah. You've had your own business, you put it in writing. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna back somebody on a poker set, I want it in writing. I yeah. want a contract signed, stipulating I'm transferring this money from my bank account to your bank account and, and this is what amount of your winnings. You understand? Yeah, yeah. 100%. And then once you win it, then I don't even need to speak to you if yeah. I think you're that way inclined. Like well, it's like I, a I, it's like a prenuptial agreement. You love the missus, but <laughs> <laughs> You know, she's gonna fuck Who knows? She might change your mind three years' time and say, I want half, half of this, or I want 60% of that. Well, funny you should say that. I had an incident in mm. um, poker when I won 24 grand. Mm. I played the tournament and I got I got a new backer from a guy from Bournemouth mm. that I'd never met before, so I knew didn't know him from Adam. Mm. And I had like four or five different backers that I were regular backers for me, so they took a percentage of me. Mm. So I bought, sold 50% of myself and had 50%. Mm. to the backers mm. right so I played this tournament I got knocked out mm. I then re-entered the tournament mm. and the, my backer because now he what he wants to get involved backing me and cut these other guys out of the equation mm. he turned around to me and said oh I'll put you into the satellite you don't have to put I said no no I said that's not fair I said I'll put half the money in you put half the money in because mm. he was saying I'll put the whole lot in and we'll split it 50-50 I said no we because the satellite's only inexpensive anyway, it's mm. only like a hundred quid. Mm. So I won a seat back into the into the tournament. Mm. Played the tournament the next day because you can put you've got several flights. You mm. can play like one day one, day one A, day one B. Mm. So I played day one B, mm. won the tournament for twenty four grand. Mm. So before I paid him the money, I turned around to him and said, "Look, I'm not being funny, but these guys that backed me in the first bullet, mm. they're gonna think." You know, mm. he used our money, didn't get any any, any return. Mm. He's then used his own money and then won this money. So I said to him, look, do you mind if I take some money out of the equation mm. and give these guys a little bit of profit? Because mm. I've won the tournament, they backed me because they trust me. Mm. So I actually gave them three, I didn't need to give them a penny, mm. but I actually gave them three grand out of our winnings. So the initial? The initial back. Yeah, but that's like the goodness of your own heart. Because in, in yeah. all fairness, you don't have to give them anything. I didn't have to give him anything. You don't have to give him anything because then we really split everything 50 50 down the middle. It, it's, so. just, it's just bad business. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Like, I take your money and then you split the remainder with the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's good business. Yeah. Did you give them the opportunity, the first guys, to put you back in or not? I, I didn't because the, the problem is if everything's about communication. Sure. And when you're, when you're sitting there and you have to make a decision, you don't necessarily have communication with those people instantly. To say, oh, yeah, you're going to give yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but at least, at least you looked after them, which is good, you know? Yeah, and that, that for me, my history, like 12 years in the poker industry, mm. nobody can turn around and say, oh, Pete Wigglesworth done this, stitched me up, or yeah. he didn't pay this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if anything, I've paid people more than they should have got. Mm. And when I work out the percentages, you know, you could work it out to the penny, mm. literally. Mm. And I usually give people a little bit extra, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Because they're going to work it out. You know they're going to work it out. If they feel they're going to be short-changed, they're going to turn around and, and yeah, slap but it's, it's, it's bad business. At the end of the day, if you, if you get a name, if you get a name, like that, the gold, if you get a name for not paying, no, not honouring your word, yeah, yeah. then 
it's a matter of time before you've got nowhere else to go. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's interesting. But yeah. we'll call it a day. All right, man. Yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure. I, I didn't mind doing another thingy, but I didn't get much.